0: Lord, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken, bind us together, Lord, bind us together, Lord, bind us Together with love, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain, Jesus, 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name
1: hey good morning everybody glad that you're joining in with us. If you're on here, you can hit the like and hit the share button so other folks know what we're going. And uh, we're going to share the word today. Amen. Hope you've got your coffee ready to go. Got mine. Hallelujah. It's good to be with you this morning. Thankful that God has allowed us another day. Another opportunity to come together, even if it is on Facebook Live. Hallelujah! I'm going to be reading this morning from the Book of Jonah, chapter one. So if you want to go there, this is the King James version. It says this: Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonas the son of Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, "Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me." But Jonah arose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, went down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken, and the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Let's pray. Precious Father, we're thankful, Lord, for the opportunity to come together to share your word, Lord. We ask you, Father, that you just anoint us, Lord God, to speak words of truth, words of life, Lord God, words of encouragement, Lord God. Words of warning, Lord God, that you would move, Lord, upon the people, Lord God, that we would turn to you, Lord, that we would seek your face. Mighty God, we just praise you, Lord, for all that you're doing. ask you, Father, that you just take this, Lord God. Father, let it be used for your glory. We honor you this morning. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's lay the foundation for this. Uh, So who was Jonah? Jonah was a prophet of God. Uh, Jonah heard the voice of God. God spoke to him and and told him, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it because their sins have come up before me. And so he knew the will of God for him. He knew to get up and to go and, and, and to cry out and to tell the people where they were missing it. And so he heard the voice of God, he knew the will of God, and he knew the presence of God because he was trying to get away from the presence of God, trying to get away from what God wanted him to do. And Jonah fled from the presence of God because he didn't want to obey God's voice. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the people who lived in Nineveh were not the same people that Jonah belonged to. They were an Israelites. Uh, they were they were a different group of people. And, and so Jonah didn't like them. He didn't want to go down there and warn them that God was going to destroy them because of their sin. He, he was like, okay, go ahead and destroy them but he decided to flee from the presence of God. He didn't want to obey God's voice because whenever you get in that manifest presence of God, he begins to deal with things in your heart. And because he didn't want to carry the gospel of judgment on sin, he was like a lot of uh, the smooth-talking prophets of today. He only wanted to speak what made him popular with the people. You know, Jonah fled to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. Joppa means beautiful, and and beautiful but dead. You know, you might be doing something good, but if it's not what God said for you to do, then it's disobedience. So he found the ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, and, and we find out that disobedience costs. Sin costs. Sin will cost you more in the long run. Um, I heard an old saying sin will cost you more than you want to pay will keep you longer than you want to stay and it will you know when when he went down into it to go with him into tarsus away from the presence of the lord he was hardening his heart he was in rebellion to god Verse 4 of that verse that we just read says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likely to be broken. You know, I want to say something right here. It was God that sent the storm after Jonah in a permissive sense. He allowed it. You know, the enemy is the one that brings the storm, but it's only because God has allowed it to come that way. It's because of the original sin of Adam and Eve that these things can be. Don't blame God, blame Adam. Blame Eve. They're the ones that gave over control of this world to to the enemy. And, you know, I, I know it doesn't fit in with the sloppy grace message of today that, that insinuates that God never gets angry and that God never allows judgment to come on anyone, but God wouldn't allow you to fall down or uh, allow you to get hurt. Sometimes we get hurt because of our own decisions. Sometimes things happen because we're the ones that's making... Bad things happen. You know, but the God of the Bible will allow a storm to come your way. He might just allow you to lose everything that, that you put your trust in, that you put your confidence in, to bring you back to him. And oftentimes they come as a result of our foolish decisions. You know, somebody listening right now, you know you were rebellious and stubborn and hateful and angry and resentful. But instead of God cutting you down and cutting you off, he allowed storms to come in your life to wake you up, to allow you to turn around. And you know that God was merciful to you. He allowed you to turn around. And so you need to lift up your hands right where you are and give him praise and thank him that he didn't let you drown in your storm, but that he brought you back to him and brought you back into fellowship with him, into into right standing with him. He didn't allow you to destroy yourself. A lot of times we do things that'll, that'll destroy us, but God in his mercy will send a lifeboat by and pull us up. Verse five that we read, the second part of the verse says, but Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. You know, the mariners, the sailors, the passengers on the ship, they were all terrified. They were afraid for their lives. They began to cry out to their gods, little G. And they began to throw things overboard. They were were in desperation. And then suddenly they became aware that one of the passengers wasn't on deck. Hey, where's that little guy that got on in in, in Joppa? Where's he at? What's he doing? You know, the things that they were trusting in and and holding on to, they started pitching overboard like it was trash. And they were in in desperation. And like I said, they, they suddenly realized, hey, where's that guy at? Where's he at? So the shipmaster found him. He went down and uh, found him at, down in the ship. I mean, there's a storm that's getting ready to break this ship up. And he's down there asleep. Goes down there, finds him. Everybody's afraid and they're in desperation for the lives. And so he asked this sleepy prophet, how can you sleep at a time like this? And, that, and that's what I hear the world as a whole saying today. In, in their actions, they're saying that the world is saying we're in turbulent times. Our lives are being destroyed. Nothing makes sense anymore. Everything's upside down. We don't know what to believe. We don't know who to believe. And the world's looking at a slumbering church and asking them the question, how can you sleep at a time like this? The world's saying we're the true prophets of God, the ones that point true north, give us a point of reference, give us a way to, to, to guide our lives, that teach us and tell us what is right and what is wrong. The ones that give us truth so we can navigate by and make it through the storms of life. We're the true prophets, the one that would hear God's word from his mouth like Ezekiel did and prophesy like their commander. We're the prophets who are more concerned about doing God's will than making a little money. Where are the prophets that don't care about being politically correct? Where are the prophets who are more concerned about God's reputation than their celebrity status? Where are the true prophets of God that preach righteousness and holiness and separation from sin and sanctification and consecration? Where are the prophets that don't overlook sin and pretend like it doesn't exist but command repentance? Where are the prophets that Don't use grace as a cloak for sin, but as the power to conquer sin. Again, I want to ask this this question. How can you sleep at a time like this? Church member, how can you sleep at a time like this? How can the prophets of God sleep at a time like this? The storm is raging. The ship is going down. The ship's being destroyed. Lives are being destroyed. Our society is being destroyed. We're we're not just trying to warn people of the coming storm. We're telling you it's here. Wake up. Wake up. The storm is here. You know, we've never experienced what we're now experiencing in America before. America's in a storm. Society is in a storm. The church is in a storm. The whole of our nation is being dismantled. Everything is being redefined or restructured or reformatted. It's hard to even tell what a true family is anymore. Family structure, family units being redefined by society. You know, in a lot of homes, there's two daddies or two mamas. And it's being defined as normal. Good's now defined as evil and evil's defined as good. What was bitter is now called sweet. What's sweet's now called bitter. The prophet Isaiah sounded out a warning to a generation like ours. He said, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. And then he goes on down into verse 23 to say, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. You know, what was once called sin and an abomination unto God, a homosexuality and lesbianism is just now simply called an alternative lifestyle. The murder of babies in a mother's womb is now called being pro-choice and isn't, isn't illegal anymore, done in back alleys by some unlicensed, unqualified person. Now it's mainstream. Fancy clinics, board certified physicians, board-certified medical personnel, government-approved, doctors breaking their Hippocratic oath to first do no harm, dismantling the unborn in their mother's womb in the name of convenience. It doesn't matter who approves it or legalizes it. God still calls it murder, the taking of a life that he gave. Alcoholism isn't recognized as bondage or an addiction anymore. It's just called a disease. Fornication and adultery are not called sin anymore. They're just called indiscretions. Now we're being told that God's only concern for us is that we be comfortable and happy and prosperous. And God does want us to be happy and to be prosperous as our soul prospers. But the thing of it is, we're being told from pulpits across the nation that the Holy Spirit uh, no longer convicts of sin. He just witnesses to how righteous we are and how good we are. I got news for you. The Word of God says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Doesn't matter what we try to do. We're never good enough. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that brings us before the Father. And when he looks at us, he doesn't see us and our mess and everything that we're in. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus. And he calls us righteous because of that blood. I've heard it said before that that uh, that if you feel bad about, about sin, it's not the Holy Ghost that's convicting you. It's your own evil conscience condemning you. No, the Lord brings conviction so you can repent. Being told by a lot of prophets today that everybody's already saved, they just have to realize it. Got news for you, you're not saved if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior. If you haven't called on him to wash you in his precious blood, you're not saved. You need to find an altar and get down and pray and ask the Lord to come into your life and to change you. Yes, God loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He loves you that much that he is not going to allow you to stay in the stinking mess that you're in. You know what? False doctrine goes on to tell us that, that light and darkness can now live in the same thing. Goes on to say, as Christians, we live in the light and we walk in the light and we sin in the light so there's no need for repentance. Because we're in the light. We just need to realize how good we are, how righteous we are. Now, if we sin and we sin we need to repent. We need to find that place of re- repentance. You know, that's a contradiction to the word of God. The word of God says that sin is darkness, that sin is obedience, disobedience, that, that sin is the transgression of God's law. And what sin does is it separates us from God. And the only way to restore that broken fellowship with God is to repent. False teachers sending out a message, everything's good, everything's getting better, everything's going to smooth out. You know, and At the same time, our government's telling us, uh, we'll take care of everything, everything's going to be good. Uh, and what they're doing is they're taking our liberties, our rights, our freedoms as Americans being stolen from us just one little bit at a time. You know, Ronald Reagan once said the scariest words that you'll ever hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. You know, you can gather on a street corner and you you can talk about anything you want. You can preach Islam, you can preach occult practices, you can preach homosexuality and lesbianism. And the cops will show up to protect your right to assemble and your freedom of speech. But if you preach Jesus if you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that you need to repent and turn from your sins and turn from your evil and wicked ways, those same same cops will arrest you for promoting hate speech. You know, when I was a kid, there were some bold bold prophets of God that spoke that the time would come when they would come into the church and arrest you for preaching the gospel and they'd lock the church doors. You know, most people thought they were crazy. But with this COVID thing, there's some preachers who've been arrested for keeping their churches open despite the mandate to close. While at the same time, abortion clinics were deemed necessary and allowed to stay open. I don't don't get how you can deem getting souls saved as unnecessary but murdering babies in their mother's womb in the name of convenience is necessary. Those same prophets said that there would come a time when there would be homosexuals standing in the pulpits. They said that gambling would come into the church and that drinking alcohol would come into the church. And most people just laughed at them. Most people just shrugged them off and thought they had too much pizza before they went to bed. But here we are, 2021, it's here. You know, the most popular movies today are are centered around sexual bondage and manipulation and domination and the occult and violence. You know, Christians by the millions sit in front of a television set that's nothing more than a portal to hell through which all kinds of movies and sitcoms filled with violence, lesbianism, homosexuality, and the occult pour into their homes. Again, I ask the question, how can you sleep at a time like this? Isaiah 56, 10, he sounds the warning again to us, saying, his watchmen are blind, they're all ignorant, they're sleeping dogs, they cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. And then Jeremiah joins in with Isaiah in uh, chapter 8, verse 11, saying, They have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. I want you to like me. My wife tells me sometimes, people think that you're really mad at them. I'm sorry, that's just the way my face looks sometimes but I I want you to like me. I I want to be liked, but I'm not going to lie to you to gain your friendship or to gain your approval. I got to bark. I never appointed myself to be a prophet, but I can hear the sound of a trumpet blast and I can read the handwriting on the wall and I've got a responsibility as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to sound the alarm. Isaiah 58, 1, cry loud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Israel their sins. I have to sound an alarm. I have to make it clear. 1 Corinthians fourteen eight for if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for the battle? I've got to sound the alarm to wake up the slumbering saints to warn the sleepy slumbering Laodicean church, the not quite church, the half in and half out church. I'm talking about the church that has one foot in the world and the other in church. They have a Bible in one hand and a slot machine handle in the other. Got the Bible in one hand and a glass of wine or a cigarette or a joint in the other one on the same phone that they read the Bible on Sunday morning, they view pornography all through the week. You know, that's the church that says, we don't need revival. We got all that we need. We're happy. We've got all the God we need. We don't need repentance. We don't need mercy. We don't need forgiveness. We don't need God's help. We're good. We're righteous. We confess we're righteous, so we are. We're holy. We confess that we're holy, so we are. We're rich, we're prosperous, we're happy, we're comfortable. We confess we're free, so we're free. We confess we have peace, so we do. My friends, if you have to make, just make a confession to get everything that God offers, then Jesus died for nothing. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that purchased all of these things and we have to accept that blood of Jesus Christ. We have to take it and and apply it to our lives. You know, there's more to this Christian life than just moving our lips. There's a transformed life. We have to be transformed. We have to be changed. Word of God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can't think the same way that we used to think. We can't do the same things that we used to do. When we come to Jesus, we got to change. We got to line up with what the word of God says that we need to be doing in our life. You know, there's a transformed life. There's repentance. There's turning our back on the sin of the world. There's separation. There's sanctification. There's consecration. There's submission and faithfulness and obedience. There's thinking pure thoughts. And speaking words of grace, there's self-denial you know the word of God says, take up your, your cross and follow me? There's suffering for his sake. There's having no fellowship with the works of darkness. There's laying aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. There's a disciplined life of praying, of reading our Bible, uh, of being faithful to church, of tithing and sowing and witnessing. In other words, it's not a time to be spiritually asleep. It's time to be awake, spiritually alert, aggressively and boldly confronting the powers of darkness, rebuking sin, casting out devils, healing the sick and the oppressed, and boldly confronting false doctrine. And seducing spirits that are infiltrating the church. Joel three nine says this. Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. Prepare for war. Let all the mighty men of war draw near. Let them come up. 1 Thessalonians 5, six. Therefore let us not sleep as do others. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Romans thirteen eleven, and that knowing the time, it is high time to awaken out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You know, I know it's easy to point our fingers at the prophets and the preachers and say it's their fault. And there's some truth to that. A lot of our prophets today have fallen asleep. They're not warning God's people. They're not sounding an alarm. They're too busy writing self-help books and, and telling everybody how good and how wonderful they are. But it's also true that everybody that's been saved, that's been redeemed, that's been delivered from Satan's power has a responsibility to sound the trumpet too. To warn of the coming judgment and to tell of the mercy of God. I'm here today with a word from God. And that word is this. How can you sleep at a time like this? Lost person. How can you go on sinning, lying, fornicating, drinking, cheating, stealing, pretending everything's fine and lying to yourself? The truth is you're in a storm. The truth is your ship is going down and the truth is today that Jesus is your only hope. He comes to you today to wake you up from the sleep, from the slumber of sin. He comes to you because he loves you. And it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Believer, how can you sleep at a time like this? How can you bury your head in the sand and pretend everything's fine? How can you lay down your weapons of war and act like we're at peace? And we're just going to sail into heaven on a flowery bed of ease. How can you pretend that gambling and sipping and tippling and social drinking has no effect on your relationship with God? How can you pretend that watching lesbians and homosexuals and transvestites and pornover- pornography and perversity doesn't hurt your spiritual life? How can you pretend that drugs and alcohol and the occult are not attacking your homes, our families, our children? And worse than that, we're inviting it into our homes through the television and internet. Finally, Jonah, prophet of God, preachers, men and women of God, watchmen on the wall. How can you sleep at a time like this? How can we be silent when the truth is being trampled in the streets? How can we be silent when the word of God is being watered down? It's being diluted. It's being stripped of its power, candy coated, sugar sprinkled. We have the responsibility to defend the truth. To prove all things, to hold fast all that's good. To rightly divide the word of truth. To contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. You know, I believe today, just as the shipmaster came to wake up the sleeping prophet, the Holy Spirit, that's the shipmaster of the church, is sending a wake-up call today. 120,000 souls were saved because a slumbering prophet woke up. That's how many were in Nineveh, 120,000 people were saved because that slumbering prophet woke up. He woke up to his calling. He woke up to obedience. He woke up to responsibility. He woke up to the desperate need of those that were around him. I just wonder how many souls will be saved when we wake up. How can we sleep at a time like this? The storm is raging, the ship is going down, souls are going into a Christless eternity and we stand on the edge of war and don't be foolish enough to think that we've got enough military intelligence in this country to protect us because we don't. God's our only protection and when we begin to push God out of our schools and out of our homes, out of the White House and out of the church house, we're in a dangerous position. Send a friend, it's time to wake up. You have this moment. You're not promised your next breath. You have this heartbeat. And every heartbeat is a gift from God giving you another opportunity to be saved. Believer, it's time to wake up time to get your head out of the sand and face the truth it's time to quit straddling the fence it's time to get on fire like we've never been it's time to show the world what a real christian looks like prophet it's time to wake up you better quit telling people what they want to hear just to keep the money in the church you better get in the presence of god and hear his voice and prophesy what god commands you God's going to hold you responsible for their souls. God said we're to be watchmen on the wall. And when we see the sword coming, we're to sound the alarm. <clears throat> and if we don't sound the alarm, God's going to hold us accountable for the blood that's shed. <clears throat> How can you sleep at a time like this? Sinner. Believer. Prophet. Pastor. Teacher. Teacher evangelist, apostle. It's time to wake up. It's time to repent. It's time to quit rebelling and running from the call and the commission of God. It's time to quit running from his conviction. It's time to quit running from the truth. It's time to quit running from our responsibility. Some of you are in a storm today because you're running from God. You know what God wants from you. You know what God is requiring from you. You know what God has called you to do. You know He's been dealing with your heart, but you've been running from Him. And just like Jonah's rebellion has brought a storm to those on the ship, your rebellion's doing the same thing. You're making everybody around you miserable. Your family, your whole house is suffering because of you, because of your disobedience. It's time to wake up. Jonah, sinner, believer, prophet, preacher, teacher, evangelist, soul winner, saint of God, it's time to wake up, to say yes to God, to say yes to his word, to say yes to his will, to say yes to his way. Yes to his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. Yes to his love. Got to say it one more time before we close. How can you sleep at a time like this? If you know that this word is true, if you know that America needs to wake up, if you know that the church as a whole needs to wake up, if you know God is speaking to you, If you know it's time to wake up, join me today praying for God to be merciful to us and to send us another great awakening to this nation before it's too late. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful today, Lord God, for your mercy, for your grace, for your forgiveness. God, we're thankful for your love. God, help us to wake up and to realize that we need to turn to you, Lord, now more than ever before. That, God, that you're preparing a great awakening for us if we'll step into it. Lord, if we'll declare your word, if we'll declare your truth to this nation, to those that we come in contact with, Lord God, to those that we meet in the street, Lord. God, let us find a place, Lord God, to share your word, to share with somebody that they need to know you in Fullness, Lord God, in truth, Lord, in righteousness, God. Father, they need to accept you as their personal Savior. Lord, we honor you today. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to share your word, Lord. God, let us, Lord, be faithful to you. Let us seek your face. Let us know you, Father, in truth. God, we just honor you today. We thank you, Lord, that you're moving, God. We give you glory for it today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, for being with us, for sharing this time in the word. I pray that you got something out of it. I pray that it's been a blessing to you. I pray that maybe we'll wake up and we'll realize that we need to be more like Jesus every day. Faith Fellowship Church, if you would, please mail your tithes and offerings. To a pastor's home, Um, they sent their address out into a text to everyone this week. Even though our church building is closed, we still gather as a church here on Facebook. The bills still have to be paid at the church. So let's be sure and take care of the house of God so that when things calm down, when we're able to open back up, we can come back together, have a place to come to worship in spirit and in truth. God bless you this morning. We love you. We appreciate you. Be blessed today. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries,
0: please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.